everyone. My name is Trisha Malik. Um, I know Kenna just introduced me, um, and it's always a little bit weird when you're a video recording and you can't see anyone. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to take a little bit of time to also introduce myself. So like I said, my name is Trisha, and my husband and I, Jake, have actually been in ministry for about 12 to 14 years. I started YWAM in 2008. Um, but I left YWAM to go to school and then came back when my husband and I got married. So we've been together in full-time ministry for three years. And yeah, we just love what we do. We love um, the people that we get to meet and the things that we get to do. And so one of the things that my husband and I are in charge of here in Colorado Springs is that we're actually on our campus leadership team. So we help oversee the about 130 staff here on campus. Um, and we have about 110 staff living overseas full time. And so, yeah, it's a it's a big undertaking, but we really love it. And another thing that actually we are in charge of is what's called Ending Bible Poverty Now. Um, it's very wordy. We kind of shorten it to EBPN. But what that is, is that we are trying to get the Bible to people who have little or no access. And so we do physical copies um, and even, you know, Bibles on little tiny SD cards, these tiny cards that you can bring into countries that hold the full Bible, um, worship songs and teachings as well. And so part of that ministry that we run and that we're kind of pioneering on our campus is how do we get our teams that are going overseas to serve to also bring Bibles with them? And we had an incredible time in Myanmar actually this last January before all of the COVID-19 hit. Um, and we were able to join with a larger group of people. And there are about five teams in the whole country all together. And we were part of um, one team where Jake and I were kind of the ones overseeing, handing out the Bibles and how that went. And we we're able to give thousands of Bibles to local pastors that would then be able to hand it to the people that actually needed it and would then use it. And we saw within just about five days, 1,300 salvations, and we handed out 2,500 Bible resources. And something about that time that really stuck out to me was that it isn't just about getting the Bible to people who aren't believers. There are actually people who are believers around the world who cannot get a Bible. And I met a woman at a conference, and she had been a believer for 10 years and had only ever had access to the New Testament. And so we were telling stories about Ruth and Esther and David and she was like, who, I don't know those stories. And so they're, they have such um, a missing piece really when it comes to only having the New Testament. And so for us to be able to bring the full Bible to people around the world that actually do not have access is just really what my husband and I feel called to. Um, and also just helping our teams integrate overseas as well. But that's really something that has been important to us. And especially as all this COVID stuff has happened is we realize, man, how much I rely on the word of God to get me through this time and how easy it is that we just have access to this. We have access to a bunch of different versions of the Bible. We have access to a variation of things and resources. And there are churches overseas that actually don't have any of that. And so that's really what my husband and I are doing here um, and why we're in ministry. But, you know, when I was asked actually to give a sermon to your church, um, you know, Kenna reached out to me and and I was really excited about it because I don't actually get to speak in churches a lot. I speak a lot in YWAM campuses um, around the country, and I don't actually get to speak to people in the local church as much as I would like. And so I'm just really thankful to be here. But I also just wanted to kind of share with you what I got in prayer um, as I was praying for you as a church. Um, and in this weird, hectic time 
of COVID-19 and what that looks like. And, and yeah, so as I was kind of praying about, you know, Lord, what should I share with this church? What does this church need um, in this time? And something that really stuck out to me was to just kind of challenge you guys in the sense of, um, would the people closest to us say that we look anything like Jesus? And would the people closest to you as individuals in this church say that you look anything like Jesus? And I think in this time of confusion, of people losing jobs, of kids not being in school, of just the hecticness that has gone on um, in the U.S. And I'm, I'm from Seattle originally, so I get the Pacific Northwest and you guys have been shut down at different times and longer than, you know, other states. And it hasn't been easy, but I would say, what is this time producing? And are you people who in these moments, in these harder moments, in these moments of shutdown, of confusion, of loss of jobs, are you people that look like Jesus? Are you people that others in your life who aren't followers would say like, oh my gosh, they look so much like Jesus, or there is something about them that is just drawing me to them. Because it's really easy as believers to look like Jesus when things are going well. It's really easy to look like Jesus when you got your dream job, um, when your kids are just flourishing, when your marriage is doing incredible. Because we all know anybody who's been married for any length of time that you have moments of just really great connection, but also moments where you just feel disconnected. And, and you know, in those times of connection and those times of just joy and peace, it's really easy to look like Jesus. And it's really easy to be um, a follower that other people would want to look to. But it's in the times when things aren't going well that we have to ask ourselves, does my life look anything like Jesus? And, you know, it's, it's hard because I think you know, we assume what we look like maybe on the outside or in our job or, you know, I speak a lot in front of people. And but the people that speak to our lives the most are the people that are closest to us. So our spouses, our children um, in this time, in this confusion, confusing time of, you know, COVID-19, do, does our family, do our friends see us as people of faith or do they see us people just riddled with fear? And it's really hard to have faith and not be filled with fear when you don't know what's going to happen. Um, our entire ministry revolves around traveling around the world, and that's actually something we can't do right now. Um, we can't go to the countries we want to go to. We have staff who live overseas who actually can't come back to the U.S. We have people on staff whose families live in Europe. They can't come to the U.S. We have staff in Europe who can't now come to the U.S. And so it's hard to have faith in the moments when, wow, actually everything is out of our control. Um, and I, you have no control in this moment. And as humans, we try to have control over anything that we can, but we really don't in this moment. And so when our family and friends look to us, are they seeing people of faith even in this moment of, man, this is utter confusion and I'm completely out of control. And for a lot of us, you know, looking like Jesus is going to require work. And looking like Jesus is going <laughs> to require us to, yeah, just make a change in the way that we do things. And for some of us, that means maybe rewriting our family history. Uh, maybe for some of us, it means, man, my family has a history of alcoholism. They have a history of abuse. They have a history of maybe passivity where, hey, you know, everybody pushed everything under the rug and no one talks about anything. And in order to look like Jesus, sometimes we actually have to go back and we have to dig up some of that stuff in our life that needs to be dealt with. And, you know, as I was praying for you guys as a church, I just really felt like 
to encourage you in this time of, wow, are there things in your life or in your family life that really don't display the character of Jesus? And how can I kind of rewrite that? And, and again, it's really hard to get other people to want to reconcile maybe with the things that they've done to you or the mistakes that they've made, but it's more on you as an individual of, hey, how do I rewrite my family history? How do I make it so my kids um, or my spouse doesn't have the same story as maybe my parents had um, or I had as a kid growing up? And and that's part of it. That's part of looking like Jesus is actually doing the work, um, doing the work of, yeah, going back and digging things up and being willing to work through those things. And again, it's really easy when we want other people to do things. And, you know, I'm married and of course I could probably find a million things that I think, oh, my husband Jake should do this or should do that. But really, do we look at ourselves the same way we look at other people? Do we expect from ourselves the same ways we expect from other people? We want the people around us to be perfect. We want them to prefer us. We want them to love us. We want them to respond graciously. But do we? Do we actually expect the same things from ourselves as we do from the people around us? Do we you know, want to set the same examples that we expect other people to set? Do we have the same expectations? And so really a lot of this that I feel like I'm supposed to be encouraging you in today is to take a step back and look at yourself and really ask the question, okay, um, if you are someone who is a believer that is attending this church, you know, am I someone that looks anything like Jesus? Am I someone that displays any of the characteristics that Jesus has. And again, we're never going to be perfect. We are far from it. We'll always be far from it. And we'll always be learning. But a lot of times we can come to church on Sunday mornings or Sunday nights and, you know, we act a certain way or we take in information or, you know, we do things a certain way. But are we that same person, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of the week when our kids are frustrating us? or when our coworkers are frustrating us, and what sort of character do we display on a weekly basis, not just kind of on a Sunday morning? And so it's very easy for us to, again, look at the people around us and have very high expectations on them. But let's just take a step back and ask ourselves, man, what are the expectations I should be having on myself? Do the people around me, do they even want to follow Jesus because of the example I give? Or are they like, why in the world would I actually want to follow, you know, this person that you're talking about when I don't actually see any of this fruit in your own personal life? And, you know, as we kind of look at Jesus's life, we see a man who, first of all, surrounded himself with people who maybe the church might not be ready to accept. Um, Jesus was always with the marginalized, with the hopeless, with people that man, society would really point a finger at and say, oh, we, you know, we're not like them. We're not like that. We see that all throughout the um, Gospels of just Jesus choosing people that, you know, the Pharisees, the Sadducees are, who, who are these people? Why are you choosing to spend your time with these people? But he drew people in because of the way that he lived his life. Marginalized people, religious people hated him, but they still were drawn to him. And so I would just, you know, ask you if we're supposed to be displaying these characteristics of Jesus, would people want to join you? Would people want to follow you? Do people feel drawn to you because of the way that you are? And, or do we surround ourselves with the exact same people? Um, as a Christian for a long time, I grew up in an environment where a lot of my friends actually weren't believers. Um, but now as I've, you know, worked in ministry for a long time and my husband and I work with a lot of Christians, 
you know, we've really challenged ourselves to make sure that we're not just staying in a bubble, a bubble of people who think the same things as us, who, you know, feel the same things, whether that's politically or socially or whatever that is. But we want to make sure that we're also bringing in people who maybe do feel marginalized or maybe aren't believers, but they feel drawn to Jake and I because of the way that we love them and then being able to share the gospel with them through the way that we live our life. And so, you know, another characteristic of Jesus other than bringing people in, you know, ushering people in towards him is he was a man who prayed for miracles. The gospels are full of Jesus just constantly praying for miracles, constantly praying for the people that he sees. And, you know, is that something that we do today? How often do you actually sit down and pray? And, you know, when we look at the Gospel of Mark, Jesus, there's so many verses of him saying, you know, he went to be away with the Lord in solitude. And so, you know, do we believe in that still today? Do we believe that that model that Jesus set up for us is something that we should do? And, you know, are we people that, man, when we're stressed or when we feel anxious or when something is going on, we are more apt to go pray before we respond? Um, or that we're people that really do take time to have that be part of our lives. Or, you know, that when someone comes to you and they say, man, I am really not doing well. Or or maybe they're sick or maybe they're just tired and they're overwhelmed. Do we stop to pray for them? Do we believe in prayer? I think, you know, as, as Christians, it's very easy to say that, actually. It's very easy to come to church and hear sermons and, you know, ask ourselves, but then we need to take a step back and ask ourselves, like, actually, do I believe these things? Do I do this in my daily life? And actually stop and pray for people and encourage people in that way. Because we are supposed to model our lives after Jesus. And this is the way that he lived his life. He spent time alone with the Father constantly. And that's where he got his, you know, almost filling from. And then that just oozed out of him as he walked around. And that is what drew those marginalized people to him. That is what drew the people who, you know, were like, man, I don't know what it is about this person. And we all know those people. We have those people in our lives who are just um, just so joyful. And even in the hardest times, you know, for me personally, like my mom is one of the most joyful people I've ever met, but she really doesn't have a reason to be a lot of times because she grew up in a family where um, they had a really unique disease and it's called Huntington's disease. And so she watched her dad start to deteriorate mentally, physically, when she was 12 years old and then it's actually 50% genetic and so her brother and sister both got it and died from it and they say it's like having Lou Gehrig's Alzheimer's um, and cancer all at the same time but it's also 50% genetic so it's a horrible disease but my mom has always been so faithful and so joyful and it's because she knew even through that like God is still good and I'm still willing to follow Jesus. And she has always been so hopeful. And, you know, I've thought to myself, man, how does she still have so much faith? But it's because of her time that she spends with the Lord. It's because of how much, how many quiet times she's done and how much time she's just spent praying with him. And it doesn't mean that life has been easy, but it does bring people to her in a way that I haven't actually seen in a lot of other people. So be, even asking ourselves that, like, man, do people feel drawn to me because I just live my life so differently than what society does? And, you know, one of the other things that we see, you know, in the New Testament and with Jesus's disciples is him just really challenging them, him challenging the way they do things and how they do things. And and I just really want to encourage you, you know, as we look at our own lives, like, is there any area of your life where, man, I maybe just need to work through these issues with like counseling or with things that 
maybe haven't always been pushed, but I really need to just talk about these things. Because at the end of the day, if we want to look like Jesus, then we want to make sure that we have healthy patterns in our life. And, you know, we want to make sure that we are living a healthy lifestyle. And that means our physical health, our emotional health, and all of that actually affects the people around us. And a lot of times people are afraid to maybe go to counseling. They're afraid to maybe work through some of the roots of things. But, you know, that's actually really beneficial to the people around us. It, it isn't just about you at that point. It's about your spouse. It's about your friends, your your kids, the people you work with. Getting healthy and starting to look like Jesus actually is something that will impact your children and your children's children and just kind of digging up those roots. And so, you know, it's our responsibility to take care of our own personal lives and our own personal issues that come up. And, you know, are we willing to do the work to maybe dig up some things that we don't want to dig up? Or, you know, are we willing to reconcile like, hey, you know, this is in my past. This is some of the things that I've struggled with. Am I willing to kind of address these things? And are we willing to take responsibility as Jesus followers to ask ourselves, man, do I actually look like Jesus? Do I look like the person that I'm supposed to look like? And again, we're not going to be perfect, but it's just a good question to start asking. And, you know, Jesus was confident in who he was. He was confident in the Father. And, you know, are we willing to live that way with the confidence of knowing who God is and what he's called us to do? And giving our spouses that confidence and our kids and our coworkers that confidence of like, man, I know that this person's doing the work. I know that this person, you know, maybe snapped at me the other day. They got upset about something, but they came back immediately and apologized. And there is something that gets built with people when they can tell like, wow, they're trying to live a healthy lifestyle. They're trying to live above above reproach. And so, you know, a lot of the time, life kind of happens to us. But maybe as believers, we actually need to take a more active role in what happens around us and, you know, take a more active stand in getting healthy. And maybe through that, like whether that's counseling, whether that's just spending more time in the word, that's praying, that's, you know, really challenging yourself like, gosh, would the people around me really say that I look like Jesus? You know, maybe part of that also is just doing that work in encouragement to other people around you. And allowing people to see like, wow, they're really working on this and I want to work on this too. And, you know, as we kind of look at, it's it's really easy to say like, oh, hey, live your life like Jesus and this is what it should look like. And, you know, there's some of you that are probably like, yeah, that's great. I do want to look more like Jesus. I don't even know where to start. And I would say, as you know, for me, I what I encourage my younger staff and older staff, whoever it is, is that. You know, in Galatians 6, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is what comes from spending time with the Holy Spirit, spending time in prayer, spending time, you know, meditating on the Word. And those things are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, faithfulness, um, and self-control. And, you know, we need to ask ourselves in gentleness. I always forget gentleness. uh, But we kind of have to ask ourselves, like, okay, I don't know where to start. You know, maybe you're like, yeah, there are some issues in my life. I have some family issues. I, you know, our my marriage maybe isn't looking the best. You know, I don't even know how to begin when it comes to that. I don't know where to begin when I even start looking at the Bible. There can be a lot of big questions when it comes to that. But I would just encourage you, 
really break down those fruits of the spirit and just ask yourself like, okay, maybe just one or two this, you know, this afternoon, this evening, whenever you're watching this service, you know, what are, what are one or two fruits of the spirit that I could easily see that my life is not displaying right now? Um, and, you know, maybe it's something like, it's very, you know, easy for people to say, oh, well, you know, I'm just not a patient person. I just, you know, I don't have a lot of patience for things. It's just kind of always the way that I've been, but that's actually a fruit of the spirit. So if you don't have patience in your life and you call yourself a believer, then there's actually some sort of disconnect there. Um, if you're not willing to work on that, if you're just willing to say, oh, this is just part of my personality, that's actually an issue with something that you maybe believe to your core, that this is actually something that can't change. Um, and then be asking yourself like, okay, patience is my thing. How do I exude more patience? And maybe that is taking a breath in the morning and being able to you know, read just maybe through a gospel um, or maybe through Galatians and really challenge yourself of, okay, how can I be more patient with the people around me. Um, or maybe it's something like self-control. Um, you know, we kind of forget that one comes at the end, but it's very important to have self-control. And that can come in a lot of different ways. You know, are you controlled in the way that you spend your money? Are you just spending money like crazy and, you know, you're not really thinking about it? Or self-control could come, you know, when it comes to just certain things in your life that maybe you, yeah, you just don't want to actually hand control over to God. And, you know, it's very easy for people to assume what self-control means. A lot of times people in the church, you know, we kind of say like, oh, well, you're obviously drinking too much or you're doing this. And, and we kind of put certain things in that category of self-control. But self-control has to do with a lot of things. And actually self-control, you know, the opposite of that is humility. And the opposite of that is actually preferring others over yourself. And are you able to be self-controlled in your conversations with people? Are you able to be loving in your conversations with people and, you know, self-controlled in the way that you respond. And, you know, or you look at peace. I am someone who throughout my life has struggled with anxiety and things like that. But, you know, I've gotten to the point where I know that even in my most anxious moments, I actually can feel a sense of peace because I know, okay, I'm not always going to feel this way. Um, I've done the work in counseling, um, knowing where some of those roots have come from. And, you know, I've had people pray for me and it hasn't miraculously gone away, but it's something that I've had to really work through. But I've been able to cultivate that peace, even in those moments of anxiety. And, or, you know, even kindness, like, are you kind to the people around you? Are you someone that others would be like, gosh, they're just so kind and they're so gentle. And so, yeah, just to encourage you as, you know, you were challenged in this way of, okay, like, would the people closest to me say that I look anything like Jesus Christ? Would the people closest to me say that I actually display any of the characteristics of Jesus? And I think, you know, a, a good place to start is kind of maybe even asking the people around you, which, you know, I want this to be more maybe reflective of yourself. Like, I don't want you to be looking at the fruits of the spirit and be thinking, oh, yeah, my wife really needs to know this or my son really needs to do this to be really you know, introspective on, you know, what are you seeing that you need to work on? But I would encourage you to actually ask the people closest to you. Okay, I'm going to be really honest with you. You know, is there something in my life that you're seeing that doesn't actually display a fruit of the spirit? Is there something in my life that you're seeing that, you know, I don't think is healthy? Um, is there something that I'm doing that I complain about my own parents doing that isn't healthy, but I've actually started to walk out in that way? You know, we all have those things where you grow up and you're like, I'm never going to do this. 
my mom always used to say this and then you know you find yourself saying it as you get older and you're like what am i doing um so yeah i just challenge you to be really humble with the people in your life and choose someone you're close with choose someone that you really love we'll say it in a gracious way but you know let's be willing to actually address the issues in our lives let's be willing to be people that are you know striving to be more like jesus um, in a healthy way and so that others are drawn to us the same way that they were drawn to him. And that's really how we're going to spread the gospel, actually, is by us living like Jesus. People see our lives and they want that. They see something in us that they want. And, you know, hearkening back to when we were in Myanmar, my husband and I, we saw people who really had no reason to believe that God is good. They had nothing to their name. Some of these women that I had worked with, their husbands had abandoned them. Um, They barely had enough money for food, but they were some of the most joyful, gentle women that I'd ever met. And it's because they figured it out. They figured out that Jesus is good and is always good. And they just lived their lives, um, yeah, just with faith and encouragement. And so I just want to encourage you in that today. And, you know, I just want to thank you for letting me come um, and speak. And I just want to thank you for, yeah, allowing me to just, you know, be here kind of, on the video screen. I know it's always a a weird thing in this time of COVID. And just to encourage you as a church to just keep fighting. I know that this is not the easiest time for anybody. And there probably is a lot of fear. There's probably a lot of anxiety going on. But just to to know that God is in the midst of this with us. Um, And then actually, just a few things. Um, As a a YWAMer, um, we do believe that the Lord really does speak to us. Um, maybe that's through like impressions or maybe that's just through kind of a gut feeling or or however that looks. Um, but I did feel like there was maybe someone, you know, in your church that really needs encouragement when it comes to infertility, actually. Um, and so I just want you to know that if that is you watching this right now, um, that the Lord sees you um, and he sees the things that you're going through. And I just, yeah, it it really had nothing to do with the sermon, but I just felt so strongly that the Lord was like infertility, infertility um, with maybe someone in the congregation, or maybe someone someone is close to in the congregation. So just just wanted you to know that I'm praying for that and just wanted to encourage you that the Lord said that there's hope in that. And, and yeah, and so I just want to make sure and let you know that that is something that I just really felt as I was praying for your church. But yeah, all that to say, um, thank you again so much. And I just challenge you this week to really be asking yourself, When people look at me, do they see Jesus? And really be asking the people close to you, are you willing to challenge anything in me or or show me anything that maybe um, I'm not seeing and that is maybe a blind spot in my own life? And then walking forward as a church that is just people really wanting to be close to Jesus, but also just getting healthier. Um, So I'm just going to pray for you guys. Um, And again, thank you. I hope one day I'll be able to actually meet some of you in person. But yeah, I'm just going to pray to kind of end my time. So, Lord, I just thank you for this church. Um, I just thank you for everything that you're doing in them, God, that, um, yeah, from just what I've heard from Kenna um, and just other people that I've interacted with, God, it just seems like um, this is just a church that really loves you, God, and wants to see you glorified. And I just thank you for that. I thank you that, you know, they're willing to watch videos in this weird time and willing to just, yeah, yeah, still be following you um, in this crazy time that the world is in. And I just pray just peace over this church, God. I just pray that you would give everyone um, peace in knowing that you are leading in this time, God, and that you um, 
yeah, that you are still in control, God, um, even if it looks like everything's out of control. Um, I just pray, Lord, if there's anyone in the church that is struggling with infertility or knows anybody that is, God, I just pray for hope in that situation. I pray for just miraculous pregnancies, God, in that. And I just ask, Lord, that you would just be, yeah, really lifting up the leadership of this church um, in a time where it's really hard to know how to lead. Um, and I just pray also, God, for any of the kids, actually, of the families that are in this church, God, that in a time where school's not happening and there's just a lot of confusion, that you would also give all the kids just, um, yeah, just an overwhelming sense of peace um, in this time. And so, yeah, I just thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you for everything that you're doing and just bless them in Jesus name. Amen.